Welcome to the Sports and Media Show with Jeff and Joe. Jeff Owens is the WEIU-FM director at Eastern Illinois University, and Joe Gisandi is the author of Field Guide to Covering Sports. The Sports and Media Show is a sports podcast that talks about the media's coverage of sports. Now, let's go to the show. Welcome to the Sports and Media Show. I'm Jeff. I'm Joe. And today our guest is... Ramin Karbasyun from WEIU. Well, we appreciate you coming in today, Ramin, to talk about on the sports and media show, all things sports and media related. Obviously, it's uh, post-Super Bowl week, so uh, everything is uh, Super Bowl. And uh, your thoughts on uh, the Super Bowl, Ramin, we'll let you go first. Do we really have to experience the Super Bowl hangover? NFL, yeah. NFL's done. <laughs> I thought it was a, a very entertaining game, but unfortunately, you know, if you watch it from a sports fan, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, they, they choke. That's my opinion. They have You have a 25-point lead. I think the post I put on social media was that uh, – you good teams don't you know let a twenty five point lead go away. I can but live with that. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, it's uh, the, the one call that jumped out to me was them passing. Oops, can't hear me from back here. Um, was them <laughs> passing when they were at the twenty two yard line? Why are you not just running? There's what three and a half minutes left. Three twenty. Um, again, it's easy for us to second guess all the time. The Monday morning quarterback we talk about. It was a little bit surprising that you know they have a field goal which really wins the game at that point and they didn't do it. it. It wasn't nearly as egregious, I think, as Pete Carroll's, remember a couple of years ago, <laughs> the play in the Super Bowl. That was that was truly shocking. But um, again, these coaches, they got to this level, though, it's tough to really get on them too much. I think they took the foot off the gas pedal. I mean, the thing you see about college football teams, teams like the you know, top 10 powerhouse teams, they just go for it. You know, They just keep on racking up the points. And for some reason, Atlanta and that offense, they just talked about how they can score any way they want. They just they just stopped doing it, and that's what gave New, New England the opportunity. And I thought the key play in the game is when I don't think it's getting talked about in about a month as enough is Devontae Freeman missed the block on the sack, oh, which yeah. gave the ball to the Patriots on a short field, which allowed them to score and then have time to stop the Falcons again and get the ball back. I think if Devontae makes that tack makes that block. Then that's a different game because at least, at the very least, the Falcons are going to punt and make the Patriots eat up some more clock. But that that missed tab block on that sack, which led to a fumble, which led to the short field. I think was really the beginning of the end of the Falcons. Let's talk a little bit about from the media's aspect. Uh, uh, Joe uh, Buck and Aikman were on the call. Um, Buck had some really bad mistakes early. He couldn't figure out which which receiver was catching the ball. I haven't heard, I've been really doing some research. It seemed to me that Aikman and Buck were having some kind of technical difficulty in the in the in the booth because they were both kind of on their own like own doing their own little thing and they weren't really gelling well and they usually work really well together even if you don't like them they work well together but it was really an odd broadcast where they both seemed a little out of sync did you guys get the gist or was that me uh, I, re I recorded the game at home and I, I probably should have gone back and watched it before I came on this podcast right, but right. Um, I, I didn't really catch too much on that sometimes uh, the number one broadcasters on network sometimes they let the broadcast breathe a little bit and sometimes mm -hmm. they, it's silent but I didn't really catch up on that I'll be interested to go back and, and take a look at that yeah, I need to check myself too. I was surprised at one point, uh, not even surprised too much. Where Troy, Troy Aikman was talking about the game and uh, about the game being it's closer than you think. And at that point, I'm going, no, it isn't. Uh, but clearly, he was right. I, I nothing really jumped out too much. I thought it was kind of bland. It didn't wasn't really exciting, but it really wasn't bad. And I guess that's a good thing, really, right? Professional. I mean, I have my favorite sports broadcasters, and I'm not gonna, you know pick allegiances to one or the other or a certain network but you know I, I don't find too much 
issue with with Joe. I know a lot of people have problem yeah, with Joe, 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 Joe Buck fans, and and maybe from his baseball perspective with having the Cardinals background and why is a baseball guy calling NFL games? But right. he's been calling how many years on the NFL, and he and Aikman have called how many Super Bowls now together? So he's obviously he's doing well enough that Fox has kept him there. He, uh, yeah, he's a consummate professional. He's one of the best ones out there. What, what did you think this game? I've heard a lot of people talking about which which finish did you like better? This uh, the college football between Bam and Clemson. Or, or this one. They're two classic games, clearly. Well, I think, I think if I recall correctly, the uh, college football one, that was a little bit closer ball game. It was kind of it went back, back, and, back forth. and forth. Yes, Whereas this one, you have a complete collapse. I mean, uh, one of the first big collapses in professional football game that I can recall was the, the Oilers-Bills game from 25 years ago, which is amazing oh, to think it's 25 goodness, years yes. ago. And so it's like, what, 35 yeah. to 3? This was, you know, so this was a little bit smaller, but this is in the Super Bowl. Unprecedented lead collapse. First overtime game, and uh, you could tell if it got to overtime, there's no way in the world the Falcons yeah, were going to make it. the ball first. Yeah. There's no yeah. way. Once yeah. they started going for it on fourth down, you realize the Falcons probably couldn't do anything there. Yeah. Uh, the Clemson game to me is, is was a, was the be- was the better of the game. Anytime that the, uh, the the major favorite loses, I think is is best for sports. Uh, and that's just my opinion. Plus, you know, I'm, I'm an Alabama and a Patriot hater, so <laughs> I, I feel let that at, you know out. Right. So, uh, but I mean, I, I, yeah, I I, I love I, I was. I, Alabama, Clemson, two really good teams, but yeah, I agree this that it was a I closer game down the stretch. And w- watching that game, the moment they got within about two scores, you, it, it almost started feeling inevitable. It was almost like watching a train wreck or a car crash, or whatever horrible analogy you want to use. I was uh, just one more point on that game is I watched that game ESPN, the four letter network, you know, as they like to call it these days. They have their multicast where they had on all their different channels. I actually right. watched it from the perspective of the uh, the coaches one and uh, former mm-hmm. Eastern coach Dino Babers was in that room and that was an interesting perspective and uh, I can tell you those guys and probably anybody else watching that game were on the edge of their seat. It was just a really really entertaining ball game from start to finish. Oh, absolutely it was. The ratings for the Super Bowl I think were the third highest ever at one point. They uh, It was 118 million people at one point So and, and they said because of the overtime Fox netted an extra you know couple hundred million dollars. It's unbelievable. The overtime yeah. change. Yeah. Exactly, so, uh, yeah. Fox is happy. Uh, yeah, the NFL is happy. And so the other thing that made news during the uh, broadcast, of course, everybody's talking about either lover or hater was uh, the Lady Gaga show. Uh, we'll, we'll quickly just uh, yay or nay on Lady Gaga, Ramin. Uh, she uh, she stayed away. I think the number one thing that she that she did maybe right, I guess you could say, whether or not, like Jeff said, whether or not you like her as a musician or not, depending on your style, taste of music, is that she stayed away from politics. And yeah. she and she stayed with her music. I, I I enjoy her music personally. I like kind of all shades of music. But uh, she played a lot of her classics. She was entertaining, and I saw some of the behind the scenes things about her talking about uh, what she wanted to do. This is something that she had dreamed about doing since she was a little kid, and she knew exactly what kind of a show she wanted to do. So I think it came across as a winner. It was certainly as entertaining as maybe or more entertaining than the first half of that game. Yeah, I always wonder. I love I love and hate the shows. I thought this was the best one. I. I'm not a huge Lady Gaga fan, but she's very entertaining. She sings well. She's certainly very talented. But to the game part of it, those shows are so long. I always wonder how they impact the team in the second half. The Falcons were a little bit of a different team in the second half. The Patriots a little bit better. It's easy to blame this, the halftime show, and it may have had nothing to do with it. But it's such a different atmosphere there, right? I mean, it takes a lot longer. There's a lot more going on. I don't know. One That's thing that one thing that. Speaking of ha- Super Bowl halftime shows, probably one of the most famous and probably probably rated as the best was Michael Jackson's in 1993. Oh, sure. they were th- and the day that it was 24 years 
it, it happened and people were talking about it. I, I read somewhere that Michael Irvin of the Cowboys during that game, he didn't even stay in the locker room. Apparently, he went out. He wanted to watch Michael Jackson <laughs> perform. So that t- tells it's you right a nice there. Loose, yeah. But a 13-minute halftime show, it is a longer halftime, I guess, advantage Patriots in that game. More adjustments for for Bill Belichick, and you give him any more minutes or seconds to adjust and uh, mm-hmm. you know advantage Patriots in that one. Yeah, I to me music is somebody playing instruments and singing, <laughs> not having to jump off stadiums and have lights and dancers and all the the gizmos. Uh, to, to me, that that overshadows the talent. I don't dislike Lady Gaga's songs, but get with the time. So should we go I'm back? Sorry, it's not my time. This so should my, should we go back to Super Bowl one and marching bands? I don't know if we go. Far. <laughs> I just think to see a band play real instruments and, and sing the entire songs through without lip sync and and you know, all the voice editing. That, that's just stop. That's I'm old school about that. But oh, again, we, but I did, but I'll say this. It was a good show. It was better than I expected. I was really expecting mm. it to be just really a dog. Um, but, you know, I watched it. It was, you know, other than when they go to the slow song, I don't understand why artists go to the slow song when you yeah. get all that. Ad- they got to they they get you excited. They got to take you back. Uh, I mean, I've heard all those <laughs> cliches in movies and music. So right. I think she did everything there. I think she was probably pretty happy with what happened. Right. There, there was some other news from the Super Bowl, too, the Hall of Fame. Um, I was surprised by the choices in there. I Terrell Davis, I did not think was a Hall of Fame NFL player. He had four good seasons, two spectacular seasons, but in Major League Baseball, you wouldn't even sniff it, but apparently he's in there. And then Kurt Warner started at age 28 and had some really tremendous seasons. Then he had a da- then he had a couple of down years, then, then he came back. Then he came back, back at Arizona, right? Yeah, I, th- so. I think, I think, you're, I think your, your logic on that makes a lot of sense there. And, and uh, I was waving to some folks on Facebook. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I, I think those two people right there, you could question whether or not they played long enough, they were consistent long enough. But I guess the reason why they're in is because the years that they were good were tremendous. I mean, the years that Kurt Warner was at his top of his game, he was he was some of the best, best football you've seen from the quarterback position. Terrell Davis, he had a 2,000-yard season. He arguably carried the Broncos there to – Help John Elway get, get over oh, the hump no, a little no, bit. No doubt about so, it. So, whatever the voting criteria is, it was good enough for the Hall of Fame. And I agree. Maybe those are borderline questionable, but I like those two guys personally as a, as a fan. Oh, oh, as a fan, sure. I just didn't. It's, it's sort of like for me when I think about him. I, I often think about Don Mattingly, who for a five year period was by, by large, no one was better than him as a Major League Baseball player, but he didn't have a lengthy career, so therefore Absolutely. he wasn't in there. Um, I, I also wonder how you vote those two guys in and you don't vote in Terrell Owens who was a, who was a somewhat revolutionary player and not quite the same way as LT as a linebacker and uh, some other players along the way in other different sports or Irvin Johnson you know as a point guard a tall point guard Terrell Owens really helped transform that that position and he didn't get in. Well, Morton Anderson, the all-time leading NFL scorer, is not in. No. To me, I the NFL and, and Major League Baseball Hall of Fame it, they're they're just I don't know what the word is, but the, the Hall of Fame has to be about the best players, but it also has to be about certain. You know, they just go back and forth on what the criteria are. Inconsistent. Changing the inconsistent. Uh, oh, I just it's a, as of, of no interest to me when when you see the, the. I don't care if he's just a kicker or not, but when he has scored more points than anybody right. in the NFL, mm-hmm. Morton Anderson's not in. But you let Terrell Davis, who had a short career. I love Terrell Davis. Uh, you know, and I like Kurt Warner a lot. The Rams' offense was exciting. Oh, are you saying that Morton Anderson did get, did get in? 
Huh? Morton Anderson did get in. Yeah, yeah you know I'm mean, saying, but at that point, when you think about it, it yeah. took him forever to get in. Yeah, Terrell what? Owens was probably at one point the best receiver in football, and he yeah. really did change the game, like Joe was saying. So it just—it's really weird. Alan Fanick could get, you know, didn't get in. Mm. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. one of the best. You know, one of the phrases I think that goes along with this is that you know, voting aside, you know, you need a certain percentage, and I don't know what they are for for both Major League Baseball and professional basketball and NFL. But one phrase that I'm hearing a lot lately in the last couple of years is the eye test. Right off the bat, say their name. Are they a Hall of Famer? And if you think more than two seconds, they're they're probably not, or they're they're going to get in late, much later. Like you said, some guys have to wait a little bit longer than others. Randy yeah. Jones on Facebook saying that uh, the, the word is joke according to about the Hall of Fame. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I I, w- I wouldn't go that far because I think the people looking for the Hall of Fame in, in Major League Baseball, I, I take a lot more credibility because there's hundreds and hundreds of writers who have been covering this, including former athletes. The NFL, I don't know if any writers have anything to do. I think it's all former people that get in a room. It's sort of like the difference between anything we talked about. Yeah. The NFL is like a caucus. Let's get together. And and Major League Baseball is, you know. Next year, vote. Major League Baseball, all the votes will be uh, released. Oh, wow. To go public next year, so that will be better. Um, uh, other stuff. Uh, sports reporters on ESPN is going away in right. May. Uh, you can, we've all kind of grown up with that. Uh, your thoughts, uh, first Joe, on this one. Well, it's one of my favorite. I mean, Dick Schapp, you know, one of the iconic people. Keep using that word here today, but it's true. He was one of the iconic people for. He was he was a master of TV, radio, and print. Just amazing uh, sports journalist through the years. He was the guy when they were in that show. Everybody would look up to, and you know, whatever he said, yeah. he's like the Godfather. It's like, yeah. okay, if you said it, we'll shut Absolutely. up. Yeah. Um, John Saunders did a fairly good job. Well, a very good job, I think, but it wasn't the same. But a lot of those shows, you find them everywhere now. It was different at the time. And am I correct in that they're going to incorporate part of that into SportsCenter? Or on a Sunday morning, they're doing something with that in the E60. I thought on Sunday morning. I, I think they're combining the E60s and and the yeah. reporters. Yeah. Personally, I had, I I looked, peeked at the rundown here before we started, and I, and I honestly hadn't heard anything. And I looked back to see where that you know where any information was on that, and seeing how you know, ESPN is transforming itself. It seems that sure. they're doing away with some of the older stuff, older people. You know, obviously Chris Berman's going to have a reduced role, and I thought that was a nice uh, send off they gave him on on Sunday, his last NFL stuff, and uh, sure. You know, love him or hate him, I love I love Chris Berman. He's uh he was exciting in the day oh, NFL, NFL primetime. He's been great for the station. And uh, yeah, I mean he's one of the original people there. But they're 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 changing the format of the ESPN. Uh, you know, we're talking about a couple other things with ESPN. Their changes, how they're going with the personalities. Their personality driven sports centers, where you know you have Scott Van Pelt at the at the end, and who's spectacular. And yeah. he's he's he's. More than just a golf guy, because for a while he there he was just a golf guy, right. but he knows so much. And then you hear him on the radio, and he was the right personality to put it that you know. And, and he starts his show off so odd and and strange, like the number one thing I saw today, and it may have nothing to do with the game that that was just on before him. So you know, it's it's their take, it's their current take on on how they're going to do their shows, and it's disappointing that a classic show like the Sports Reporters, which has had some of the best journalists we've seen in in the last 30, 40 years. You know, it's too bad that they're going and you know Mike and Mike's you know leaving radio too and sure. that's a that's a program that when I was in college here at Eastern, I turned it on turned on the dial one day. It's like what's this Mike and Mike and it's been on that long. Well, I, I think too often in in this business people don't change. That's the way it's always been. Well, until something changed with Mike and Mike, you have to. Yeah. It, there ha- it's inevitable to change, and I think it's it's very healthy. So I I don't lament it. 
uh, I, you know, I embrace it like like you do too. And um, I know Michael Smith and Jamel Hill start this week on Sports Center. I did not see the first couple shows of you or me. I have not. It's at the five o'clock hour. Yeah, it's I, get, I get I get home from work and it's time to eat dinner. And uh, I might record one just to see how it is. But I know those two personalities. They their their show that they have on during well the day. Together. It's uh, two personalities that bounce off. Uh, uh, Smith, he's 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 worked his ranks up, you know, from just a reporter to some of the other shows. And Jamel sure. Hill always has Jamel. a fre- fresh, fresh, uh, fresh opinion. She's got you know uh, a good perspective on things. So good for them, and uh, I'll be curious to check out their their look on Sports Center. Well, it's even right. like in classes we're we're teaching here. We're trying to teach people to be entrepreneurs and branding themselves, and that's exactly like you're saying. They're going personality driven, and that's the way things are going right now. The show originates from EIU, so will our final segment today will be about. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, the uh, two-time now Super Bowl champion right here from Eastern Illinois University. Uh, his name is going to be bandied around everywhere for the next three or four months prior to the draft because he's a free agent or potential free agent, I guess they could, uh, for the Patriots. Where do we think Jimmy Garoppolo will end up or will he stay a Patriot? We'll let uh, Ramin start and then Joe. Well, it's interesting that you talk about Jimmy Garoppolo this time of year. Three years ago, I was busy sending out highlights to networks, teams, you know, pre-draft and uh, to where he is and it's funny how two EIU quarterbacks now are the uh, two guys they're talking about in the, qu- the quarterback market this offseason whether it be right. via trade or however Tony Romo leaves or doesn't leave the Cowboys but to be honest Jim- Jimmy Garoppolo wherever he goes it's not going to be a very good football team um, and I was reading some articles the other day how you know the Patriots can pretty much hold him to the highest bidder and there's a few teams that can give them some stuff aka the Cleveland Browns they have two first round picks I don't want to see him personally go to the Cleveland Browns. Would I love to see him go to the Chicago Bears? And, you know, the GM there is Ryan Pace. But wherever Jimmy Garoppolo goes, you know, I think he's he's earned that opportunity. He He's better than anything available in the draft this year. And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm biased, but I think Jimmy G's got a uh, great opportunity here, and he's a heck of a player. Everybody loves the backup quarterback. You know, <laughs> He's the favorite guy in the room, right? Favorite guy until you go in there and you don't do well. So I mean, and I love Jimmy. You know, as far as his play, personally, I don't know him, uh, but his play. I mean, he, he was really spectacular when yeah. he played here. He mm-hmm. he's, he looks like he has the talent to do it. He's got the physique. He's got everything there. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I if I'm the Patriots, I'm holding him on for one more year because I I don't see Brady. To, Doing, he, he had a wonderful year this year. You could argue that he was the MVP. As a matter of fact, Bill O'Reilly says it's because the liberal sports media press didn't get it, which is a ridiculous <laughs> notion. Um, it's because he didn't play enough games. He played 12 games. Matt Ryan also had an amazing year. But remember Peyton Manning? He had a couple of great years and then just fell off fell off the cliff there. Um, I think Brady's got one, two years tops. So the Patriots have to decide, do we want to have this guy for the future or not? Um, and it may be a, he may be end up on a crappy team, but he also could be a team that's on the edge. Maybe they're willing to give up a lot for him, too. I'm, uh, I'm curious. I don't know. I mean, I, I, Joe, you hit the nail on the head. I think everybody's assuming that Garoppolo goes somewhere else. Think about who his coach is. Belichick never does things the normal NFL way. Yeah, right. They're going to pay Garoppolo and Brady, and they're going to have to sacrifice at some other positions. That you'll probably see a new kicker there at a cheaper rate, so they don't have to pay Gostowski. And they'll find and exactly what they're going to do is keep Garoppolo, and knowing that Brady's got one or two years left, and it'll work out. It'll work out well for for Jimmy. But I don't think he's going anywhere. I know a lot of people are, are online saying that you know the Bears need to get him, but I think the Bears. Don't, I don't think anybody has a shot at him. I think the Patriots have a plan. They did not draft Garoppolo that high for, to let him walk after four years. I'm sorry, they're going to keep him. Well, I mean, if I it, having you know worked the games when he was here and been seeing you know all of his highlights, when the Patriots drafted him, I had to think there for a second. 
Why the Patriots? Well, look at the offense the Patriots run. It's like three-step drop, get rid of the ball. What did Eastern do the right. last two years here with Dino Babers? Boom, boom. It was right. quick. Absolutely. And so I think Jimmy Garoppolo was tailor-made for what the Patriots run on offense. And the small sampling size, as we like to use the word sampling size, of what we've seen of Jimmy Garoppolo this year, was it like nine quarters of play because he got hurt in the third game? Pretty darn good. You know? And Aaron Rodgers well. sat behind Favre for those years and, and watched and learned. Whether they get along now doesn't matter. I, and I don't even think Brady and Garoppolo are buddies. But <laughs> you know that Garoppolo is, you know, he's soaking in what he's oh, seeing. Yes. And, oh, sure. And, uh, and, and it's going to work well for him. You know? I, I think Romo probably will end up with, if he does leave, because I know Jerry Jones loves him, um, and the way quarterbacks get knocked down. But I, I think he has so much value right now. Maybe he ends up on a team like Houston. The most oh, interesting that's on the edge that needs a quarterback. Maybe a couple, couple of the you know last maybe week. Last week was a media circus as far as networks and their Super Bowl coverage and all the people coming on the different shows. And Romo was a big topic, you know, non-Super Bowl issue. And I think all that they said the Romo's wish list of teams. Well, if he actually has a wish list or the network that was doing you know saying that the four teams that they had listed on whatever show it is, I won't say what network, but they all had all bad offensive lines. So they may have good teams with bad offensive lines, and Romo is kind of fragile right now. Oh no! And he man. really, he really, you know, obviously can't take any more serious hits. He's kind of like Joe Montana at the end of his career. Not that Tony Romo is Joe Montana. I'm not implying that. No, I know. I'm you saying mean. that Joe Montana. You kind of saw it there. You know, when he went join my Chiefs, it's like, please don't get hit, Joe, because you're one more hit away from not walking again. And I feel that way about Tony Romo right now. Yeah, unfortunately, I think Romo would look good in the black and gold of the Steelers, backing up Ben. I don't think he wants to be a backup. I think he's a backup quarterback. I don't think he's a starter. I think he's better off being a backup. If he is, he'll probably stay with Dallas, don't you think? Well, Jerry, Jerry Jones is going to try to keep him, but I, you know, I think somebody will, will offer him that head, the the number one job. It'll be, it'll be whether it be at the Broncos, the Texans. I still think the Jaguars don't believe. I don't know if they believe in Blake Bortles down there yet. I, I think that I they think they, they have a quick. Change. I think they have a quick leash on Blake Bortles. I think Blake Bortles. B BB is a bust. Yeah. I think he's a bust right now, and I think the Jaguars. I think they were they were looking for this year to be their coming out party, and I think the, you know, Shad Khan needs to needs to make a move here. So there you go. But, well, Bortles was pretty good at UCF. I wonder if it's the system. I think there's certain franchises that just can't succeed as well. well but Tom Coughlin will be there, so we'll see what. Well, happens. Tom Tom Coughlin will will will, will as, as ride ride the ship, and he's coming back. I'm, I'm sure the fans in Jacksonville are happy to see him back. <laughs> Something for you Steelers. Just yes. Uh, heart attacks. You know, did you read this story? There was a story on uh, Deadspin talking about fans um, after a Super Bowl, if they win or lose, oh how heart attack rates go <laughs> up or down. And um, in, in Pittsburgh in 2009, when they beat the Cardinals, <clears throat> heart attacks decreased for the next few days by 46%. <laughs> Whereas uh, that in, was the greatest Super Bowl of all time, <laughs> just so we know. That, that was good for the at, heart. At, at, at that moment, that was the greatest was Super Bowl of all time. It was still the greatest Super Bowl of all time. Well, most other cities, the heart attacks increased from 20 to 30%. They talked about the World Cup. They talked about Super Bowls. <clears throat> but the only one they saw that was a major decrease was the 2009 Pittsburgh Steelers. And you realize that Pittsburgh did win the Super Bowl this year, right? The highest-ranked major market city for Super Bowl viewing was Pittsburgh. Oh, was it really? Yeah. I did not see that, that. We beat Atlanta and New England, and, and more viewers. Atlanta fans just can't they, they, get Atlanta, it. Atlanta, no, no, we're we're in, we're in Charleston, Illinois, recording this. We're not in the deep south. Atlanta is not a good sports town. No matter how many sports teams they have, that is a bad sports town. They could they could never sell out the Braves in their during their playoff runs. No, let's not bring they that could, up. Okay, they could no, never. Sad. Remember the Braves? They I lost know. all the time to the Yankees too. I, know, I mean, I the, I, the I mean, one of the most exciting <laughs> players in, in NBA history is Dominique Wilkins and the and the Hawks. The, the Hawks they never sold out. They never sold out either. They missed. 
missed out on a great player. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. nobody more exciting than Dominique Wilkins in that windmill dunk yeah. of his. Oh, he was tremendous. There it's not, not a great sport. <laughs> and <laughs> it was the NHL franchise. But too. you know what? They get a brand new stadium next year, so there you go for the NFL. There's another stadium fans will be able not to see. <laughs> exactly. <you> <laughs> All right, any final thoughts before we're out of here? For me, thanks for coming in today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Love, uh, love the show that you guys got going on here, and I think these are you know topics that uh, us sports nut fans, you know, journalists, or whatever form of media we're in, uh, we're all the same. We're all the same, and uh, it's great to talk these things with you guys. Yeah, thanks so much for coming. All right, I'm Jeff. I'm Joe. We'll be back next week with the Sports Media Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the Sports Media Show with Jeff and Joe. Check back weekly for the next show. This is the Sports Podcast that talks about the media's coverage of sports.